Well, good morning and welcome again, Rise Church. Uh, we are on week four of a series called Greater Than. My name is Jason. I'm the executive pastor here. We always say this, our pastor, Pastor Aaron, is out this week, but he says this every week, is make sure if you're a guest with us, try us out three times uh, to just see if you might like us. And especially because he's not here, uh, we encourage you uh, to try it out again. He says, you know, we may be off one week. And, uh, you know, that's he's talking about me. No, uh, he is actually literally <laughs> off this week. Um, and so uh, try us out again. But we're in the, in the middle of this series. Uh, we're on week four. And in week one, Pastor Aaron shared with us where we're talking about Jesus is greater than. And so in week one, we learned that Jesus is, is greater than our prayer problems. And we saw how, this, uh, how the prayers of Apostle Paul uh, were laid out. And in week two, we talked about Jesus is greater than our view of him. That sometimes we don't always have the right view of God. But he is greater than whatever view that we have of him. And, and, and our view of him determines how we worship him. And so we wanted to get a correct view of God. Uh, last week we talked about uh, he is greater than our gods and our goodness. Uh, and and, and it, our, the, the, the enemy uh, has a scheme uh, against us to see to, 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 to skew how we see God and how we see ourselves. And so we talked about how Jesus is greater than that. And in this week, we're going to skip ahead just a little bit in the book to Colossians 4. And uh, this message I thought was super interesting uh, because I had never heard a message like this before, but as we were putting this together, we felt like this was an appropriate message for this week found in Colossians 4. And we're going to be talking about today that Jesus is greater than our gains and our drains. Jesus is greater than our gains and our drains. And so as we are reading in Colossians, it's from the Apostle Paul. And if you read the, the books that the Apostle Paul wrote in, in the Bible, he, he has some things that he does in almost every one of them. It's at the end of his book, he'll, he'll, he'll say, he'll have kind of like what, what we would call today some shout outs. He'd shout out to people. He would, sometimes his shout outs in his books were, were positive. Other times they were corrective. In other words, he was saying, hey, don't do this, do this. And in Colossians, is no different, except for that Colossians has one of the most extensive lists of shout-outs of any other book. He lists a lot of names there. And the problem, I, I, maybe it's just me, maybe y'all aren't like me, but when I read the Bible and it goes to like a list of names, like in Leviticus, I'm like, I just speed read through that. Like, like oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't care. Why do I care about Ido and who, who begat so-and-so who begat? I don't know. What, is, what are we talking about here? I, I, I skip over that. And even in Colossians 4, I've always skipped over this list and just like, okay, there's just a bunch of people's names. I'm just going to skip over that. But it's interesting that, you know, when it comes to ourselves, we don't do that. We don't skip over where we see our name in print. You know, uh, in fact, when I was in school, we had, they had something uh, that would put your name in print. It was called Who's Who of American High Schoolers. Anybody know? That's old. It's not, if you, young people, you don't know what that is. And this was the one. Uh, I, I found a picture of one there. And, and here's how they would do. This is what this company was about. They would put your name in this book and then try to sell you this book. Now, this book had no basis in any sort of reality or anything. They would just put people's names in there. And my name was in there every year I was in high school. But I, I don't know why. Like, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're, and so they would tell you like, oh, hey, it's like a special list of 
people. These are special. Who's who? This is special. You're special. You're special. And so they would try to, they'd send you a letter and say, hey, we're putting you in this book. Do you want to buy one for $250? And my parents were like, nope. We don't want to buy one. No, we're not buying. We don't care that your name is in there. They don't, they, we didn't, so I did not get one of those books. I'm not mad about that. I'm not. Because eventually it was found out in, 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 in about 10 years ago, they, they went bankrupt, that there was no basis. There was no, like, why were people in there? There was no criteria. It was just, they were just throwing people in there. They, they said, they, oh, there were scholarships they were giving out. They were giving out one $200 scholarship a year which was just like one book. Come on, man. Somebody was making a lot of money, but they eventually went bankrupt. But people bought them. Why did they buy them? So they could see their kid's name in there, right? Have you ever got your, your, your name in the newspaper and you clipped it out like, look, I'm in the newspaper. <laughs> Young people are like, newspaper, what's that? <laughs> They're mostly dying today. Uh, you know, I, I've done a few. I'm not, I'm not, I don't say this to brag, but I, I've helped uh, ghostwrite a couple books. I've done uh, cover design for some books. I've done some layout design for some books. And I liked when I would go to the book and be like, oh, it says Jason Martin. That's me. And like I have books and I'm like, I kept them today and I don't even, you know, I don't even like the book. It's a terrible book. The author was doing it. It wasn't even good. But it's like, oh, research by Jason Martin. Yeah, that's me. We like to see our name in things. We like to find our name. But when it comes to the Bible, we, we're reading that. And we're just like, oh, this is not my name. I don't care. Skip over. Skip over. Skip that over. And so let's go here to Colossians 4, 7 through 17. He, he, he lists out all these names uh, uh, of here. He goes, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I'm going to read real fast. I'm telling you all back there. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know that we... Uh, we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Anamaeus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that's taken place here. Next verse, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Next verse, and Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Y'all getting the point right now. And they have been a comfort to me. Next, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Next verse, for I bear with him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Herapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, man, y'all are getting good, greet you, as so does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. There's another group. And then when this letter has been read among you, if you have it read in the church of Laodicea and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And last verse, and also say, Arctopus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. Wow. Now, I don't expect that you have heard one thing I said right there because I'm making my point, right? When you're reading through that, you're like, oh, I don't even know what's going on here. These names, they sound Greek to me. <laughs> they actually are. Uh, <laughs> they actually are Greek names. And so it's interesting, though, in all the writings of Paul, he calls people out. He, he gives shout-outs. You saw there that some of those, those were very positive. In other places, Paul calls people out. And I like to think of these types of people as in two categories. There's gain people. Gain people are people who give you life, who encourage you. Who, who we're going to be talking about how to be a gain person today. But you know, on the other side, there's drain people. Have you ever been around somebody, you don't have to look at them or elbow them, 
And you're around them for a little while and you're like, I can feel the life being sucked out of me. And you're like, oh, they just drain me. And then there's other people you get around and you're like, I like them. They give me life. I like hanging out with them. I like talking to them. I like, I like, I like meeting with them. I like hanging around. Ah, they're giving me life. That's a gain person. Gain people versus drain people. And Paul calls out some of the gain people and he encourages them. But you know, there's other parts where he calls people out for their stuff. That's what I love about Paul, man. He just like, he just calls people out. He, he names them by name too. He doesn't like you know, like, subtweet them, like, oh, I can't believe that some people preach Judaism still. He's like, I opposed Peter to his face. He said, all those Judaizers, he says, those mutilators of the flesh, I just wish they would just cut it all off. Like, he calls them out by name. He, he, he calls it out. And so we see in these Scriptures here, what he's doing is he's talking about some people who give life. He's, he's naming some names. He, he lists 11 people here and at least two groups or churches or home churches there. And why are these people here? Why are they in this scripture? Because I believe that God put them there because he wants us to encourage us to find the people in our lives who give us those gains, who help us to gain energy. And he wants us to be those people. He wants us to not only surround ourselves with those people, he wants us to be those people, to be gained people. So my encouragement for you today, and this is going to be a short message today, I'm just letting you know because uh, we're setting something up here, is I want you to be a, a gained person, but I also want you to surround yourself with gained people. And so let's talk about three characteristics of gained people that we see here in Colossians. We're going to go back over some of those three characteristics. And the first one is this. The first one he mentions is they encourage you. They encourage you. They encourage you. He, po he, he points us out in verse 8. He mentions, he mentions, he says, I have sent him, that's Tychicus, to you for this very purpose, that he may encourage your heart. He says, he's been a gain to me. I want him to be a gain to you to encourage you. So the first characteristic is a game person. And, and he mentions again in verse 11, he's mentioned other names, and he says, they have been a comfort to me. He says, they've encouraged you, but they're, they're coming to encourage you, but they've been encouragement and comfort to me. What does it mean to find people who encourage you? You need to find people who speak life into your life. They speak life into your life. And not only do they speak life, they impart life. They give you life. Surround yourself with people who speak and impart life into your life, who give you gains. You want to find people, another, another uh, characteristic of this, they feed your mission that you have for God. They don't feed your discontent. They don't, a, a drained person feeds your, 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 your discontent. Your, your disappointment, but a gain person, they feed the mission that God has put you on. You want to find those people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, another encouragement of Paul, he says, therefore, encourage one another. We're called to do this. So not only are we called to surround ourselves with people who encourage us, is but to be an encourager. He says, encourage one another and build one another. Everyone say one another. 
up just as you're doing. You know that this term one another is in the scriptures over 54 times, depending on the translation you look at. And it's always something like build one another up, love one another, care for one another, encourage one another. That is one of the marks of Christianity that we are called to one another, one another. That we're called to encourage one another. And you know, uh, I love this about our pastor, Pastor Aaron. And I don't just say this example uh, to just, because he's not here, so it's not like I'm puffing him up. But I, I love this about him is that personally, in my relationship with him, he believes in me so much. I'll hear him talking to people about me. And he'll be like, Pastor Jason, he could go be an executive pastor at any church in America. How many of you have ever heard him say that to you? Like, I, I've seen him. If you talk, he says that all the time. And he's like, and he's so such an amazing teacher, and I love having him on our staff. The reason our church is growing is because of him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm not sure I can live up to that, Pastor. That's the type of encouragement you need in your life, right? When someone believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And when I hear him talk about me, I'm like, I can be that. I'm going to try to live up to what he envisions me to be. I love it. He, he calls everybody man of God, woman of God. Even when you don't feel like a man of God, he's like, man of God. I'm like, I'm not a man of God. I'm a man of the world. I'm going to kill someone. He's like, no, you can do it. He believes in, he believes and We want to be that. We want to be an encouragement. We want to be a person who encourages people in their mission that they have in their life so much. You know, he's always like, hey, you know, what's God calling you to do beyond the church? How are you helping? He's always, I and mean, we met with a pastor the other day. He's like, you meet with him. You meet with Jason. He's a genius. He'll tell you what to do in your church. He'll help you organize it, and he'll help, he'll help build your life. I'm like, I don't know I can do any of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Like, he's really selling me here. But he knows that's a part of my mission in life is to help others and coach others. But he believes in me. And I love him for that. So the gain people, they encourage you. They encourage you. Number two, what do we see? They are one of you. We put that in quotes, one of you. Where does that come from? We'll see the verses right here. So we, uh, verse 9, he says, Anamaeus, who is one of you? And in another verse, I believe it's verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you? He mentions these two names. And he says, he is one of you. He's one of you. What does it mean for someone to be one of somebody? If you're a game person and you want to be one of somebody, you know what it means? It means that you can be related to. You're relatable. You're one of them. You want to find someone who you have something in common with. You want to find someone who believes like you do. One of the things we always talk about one of the benefits of what we do with our kids and our youth ministries is, is, this, is we connect kids together who believe the same way. Because here's what I know. They need someone who believes like they do. And you don't grow out of that need to find someone who believes like you do. We could start in our life and say, well, you know what? Like, I have the Bible. I have God's Word speaking to me. I can pray. I can speak to God. And I don't need anyone else. That's false. That's false because we all have this need for community, for someone who's like us. We go into a room and you know what we do? We look for someone like us. We look for someone we can relate to. We look for someone like us. 
we, we want to find someone who's going where we're going or who has been where we're going, right? Or who has been where we've been. We want to find someone that we have some connection to. And you know, what happens is when people drain you is they're unlike you so much. When a person is so unlike you or, 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 they're, or they're so unrelatable. How many of you have met someone who's so unrelatable? You're like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have no idea. I can't relate to your story at all. They don't see things through other people's point of view. They only see it through their point of view. And that becomes a drain. I, I always say that when, when, I, when I face people like that, it's like, to a hammer, every problem is a nail. And everywhere they walk, they see a nail. Even if it's not a nail. I'm like, no, that's a bolt. That's not a nail. You can't hammer that. But because of our life experience, we see things a certain way. But we want to be relatable. We want to be found in relating to others. And, and, and in Ephesians 4, 2, again, one of these one another scriptures, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That is about being relatable. There, there is a bearing with one another. We're going to bear together in this. And, and, and I was thinking about this, you know, a few, few years ago, actually quite a few years ago, I, uh, I was at a church outside of Detroit, Michigan. We were serving as kids pastors there um, for a multi-site church. And uh, I, I don't know, I've talked to probably about this, but if you know me, I am a St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, like lifelong from there, born there. Uh, been to many games. And so the Cardinals were coming into town to face the Tigers at Tigers uh, at the, at the uh, Comerica Park or what? Yeah, that's what it is. And so I took my whole family one day. And so we all have our St. Louis gear on and like people are like heckling us out there. And it's kind of brave to take your little kids out to the park, you know, especially in Detroit because those people, they, I'm sorry, I know we have a couple people from there, but they don't have any tact. Uh, <laughs> Especially when you sit in the bleacher seats that are like $5, you know, there's like, they're like yelling at us and stuff. And I'm like yelling back and, 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 but we're walking into the stadium and it's like, you know, you see the tigers, the old English D hats everywhere. But all of a sudden across the way, I see a Cardinals fan, a whole family of them. And I'm like, those are my people. What's up, people? I don't know them. I mean, it's like, you know, hey, what's up? Hey, those are my people. Like, they could be on the way to murder someone, but I'm in because they're my people. Like, I'm, they got the same, they're, they're, they're relatable. They're my people, right? Like, I'll help you hide the body. I don't know. You know, like, you're my people. They're, they're my people. I can relate to them in this whole scene. I'm like showing up at this crowd. And I'm like, okay, now I feel safe because there's some of my people here. Like, I feel like I'm, I feel okay. I feel okay. I'm okay. Those are my people. So I wanted to, you, you, our natural inclination is to find people who are one of us. I said, those are one of us. Those are one of us. I can relate. So we're finding people who encourage us. We're finding people who are one of us. Third, third uh, point is they are for you. I love what he writes here. He says, Epaphras, verse 12, a servant of Jesus Christ. So he's serving Christ, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Isn't that a powerful picture of what Epaphras is doing for the people? Struggling. Another translation says he's vigorously wrestling in the spirit realm for you. Whoa. 
I mean, this guy is working on our behalf. He says, this, this guy, I'm, he, he's for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's, he's wrestling. He says, verse 13, he goes, I, I'm, I, I can be witness that he has worked hard for you. Not only has he prayed, he's worked hard for you. When you're looking for someone who's for you, when you're looking for someone who's for you, you want to find someone who prays for you and with you. Someone who's for you, they're, they're going to pray with you and for you. You want to find someone who's for you, you know what one of the characteristics are? They defend you in your absence. When you're not there, they defend you. You don't want anybody who says one thing behind your back and something to your face. You want to find somebody who defends you in your absence, who speaks life about you. They're for you at all times. And you know another time, another characteristic that you can know of someone is really for you? They correct you in love. When they're with you, they're going to correct you in love. If you've never been corrected in love, how do you really know that that person is for you? If someone's never spoken loving, correcting words to you, how do you know that they truly love you and don't want harm for you? In Galatians 6.2, he says this, another one another, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says this is fulfilling the law of Christ. Last week, um, my family, we were out because the week before that, we took our daughter to college like 15 hours away. Uh, she's going to the University of Missouri. And uh, we dropped her off. Uh, we moved into her room Tuesday, and then she came back with us Tuesday night, and then she drove off to Wednesday. Um, and, you know, we were emotional wreck, like more than I thought I would be. Like I thought, like, hey, I'm going to be okay. It's not going to be a problem. Like I got this. I'm strong. I've done my duty as a dad. It's all good. But then just like every regret I ever had came back. Like, I didn't do enough. I didn't say enough. I didn't prepare her enough. I, I did too much for her. I didn't do enough for her. I did, I, I, what am I, what, I got, I, I, you know, I just, I'm, I was struggling with this. What, where, where, where do I go? I, I, and Wednesday night, a group of our friends and family were there together. And they surrounded me. And they were encouraging, man, you should be so proud of your daughter. Hey, you know what? And they all live about, 90 minutes away, an hour and a half away from where she's at, where she's going to college. And they said, hey, if there's anything you ever need, <laughs> you need I should whack somebody, I'll take care of them. And, I'm, and, and like everyone starts fighting over who can get there the fastest. Well, I live closer to the highway, so I, and I drive like you, Pastor Jason, so I can get there in 65 minutes. Well, I don't work, and so I can drop anything and go, well, I work, and I'll just tell my boss where I can. I don't need to go to work that day. I'll take care. And I'm like, these people are for me. They are going to be me in my absence. They're going to be there if she needs anything. And I had this just encouraging moment there sitting together with my family and friends, and like, we're, it's all good. I'm encouraged because these people are for me. And when we look at these three things, they encourage you, they're one of you, they're for you. And we may think, okay, well, you know, all of this has been about Jesus, is Jesus is greater than, Jesus is greater than. Well, who more throughout history demonstrates these three things than Christ himself? To say that he encourages us, he said, 
when he was on the earth in John 14, he says, I'm going to send you another encourager, another comforter. He says, I've been with you, but the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. He reflects the character of God. He said, here, one of you. We know that Christ came to be one of us, that God loved us so much that he sent his only son. He became a man like us. He became one of us. He became relatable. He was tempted in every way, it says, like we are, yet without sin. And we know that, number three, he is for us. He, in, in, in Romans 8, 31, it says he's for us. He's, he came to be for us. He came to be God with us to show us that God was for us so that God could live in us. And that is that more, when we look at this game, who, who reflects that more than Christ? And so when we, when we say stuff like this, I don't, I, I know that some people need people, but I don't need people. Because me and God, we got a special thing going. I got a direct line to God and I don't need anybody else. What you're saying when you say that is, I do not reflect the character of God. Because that's not how he demonstrated his love to us. We have to love what he loved. You know, I was thinking about this. I have a birthday coming up, and we were talking about what, what are we going to do. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't really, I'm old now. Like, I don't need anything for my birthday. I don't need to celebrate my birthday. You know what I like to celebrate, though? I like to celebrate my kids' birthdays. You know what else I like to celebrate? I like to celebrate my wife and I's anniversary. Those are things I like to celebrate. And if you love me, I'm like, hey, if you love me, love what I'm about. Love what I love. And, and I think that's sometimes the way that God looks at it. He says, like, okay, if you want to love me, love what I'm about. You celebrate my birthday, why don't you celebrate my people? Why don't you celebrate my church? You know, the, the, the whole thing is, like, well, I, I, I really like Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's like coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I like you, but I don't like your wife. And I'm like, what are we going to fight? Get, we don't, I don't like you. You can't come up to me and say, hey, I like you, Pastor Jason, but your wife, I don't know. First of all, if you knew my wife, it's more likely the other way that my people would say that to my wife. Like, I like you, I don't know about your husband. And so our walk away from today is this. Find people in your life who can be game people for you. And be a game person for someone else. Where in your life have you been a drain? Where in your life have you surrounded yourself with drains? You know, one of the ways that we try to make an avenue for you to surround yourself with gay people is small groups, is groups. That's why we're having our groups expo today, that, that these scriptures line up with the heart of God. And so we have groups expo out there, and, and, and in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to dismiss you. We want you to join a group today. We want you to find a group, find some people who can be gay people in your life. And so what you can do is we sign up for a semester. Our groups here uh, are in semester base. So in other words, they have a beginning and an end. Because what, one of the fears that people have is like, what if I join that group and I'm stuck with people I don't like? <laughs> with drained people. They're just not like me. They're not one of me. I don't fit here. Well, hey, go and try it out. But we have a 10-week semester. Um, they all have a set time weekly where they meet. We have limited size of groups. We don't just let, you know, it's not just unlimited. They're, they're limited. They're, they're groups that are set by ages and stages. You know why? Because we want you to find people who are one of you. We want you to find people who are like you, who you can relate to. They have groups. You can search them on, on our website by location. 
You can say, well, man, I live way down 1604 in Petranco. I know some of us live way down there. It's like, I don't want to drive all the way up here every week, 20 minutes in traffic and back. And so you find, oh, we got groups down there that you can find. You got groups around here that you can find. Uh, you can find groups that are, that are based off of our sermon, our weekend sermon, where they'll take and they'll uh, discuss and talk about that. We have groups that are studies of, of particular topics. That are, that are happening there. We have, I know we have one group that's going to be starting up is, is re-engage. It's a marriage group. If you need help in your marriage, or if you want to grow in your marriage, you want to strengthen your marriage, re-engage. You can get in that group. Hey, maybe you say, man, my finances are kind of a mess. We're starting uh, Financial Peace University. You, many of you have probably heard of that, but it'll help you to take steps to get your finances in order. We have groups for men's. There's going to be a men's group studying Joshua. We have a ladies' prayer group. We have uh, all welcome groups. We have a young ladies' group. We have Bible studies. We have sermon groups. Uh, we have uh, all different sorts of groups. We have groups for our, our teenagers, a group for our teenagers that you can get involved in. And so we encourage you in, uh, in just a moment when we dismiss you to go out there, check out those tables, meet some people, uh, and find the gain people in your life.